Moving from no to yes. Does that sound good? If you've got your handout with you this morning, get it, go ahead and take it out. We're going to look at a number of things this morning that will hopefully uh, lead us to the same place that uh, Mary's dad was in this skit. He went from no to yes, and we're talking about uh, how that works in our lives. In fact, we're going to be looking for the third time today at the historical character named Nick of, of Mira, Saint Nick, sometimes called. And uh, he, as a Christ follower, gave us some really good uh, examples of how to, ge- how to be a yes giver back to God, how to follow the Lord. Now, we took some time uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I passed out some gold coins to everyone with a recognition of one of uh, St. Nick's uh, historical gifts that he gave to uh, three young ladies so they could get married and be saved out of slavery. We spent some time uh, last week with some uh, running shoes because we were talking about sprinting Santa as St. Nick ran to save three sailors who were about to be executed. And he just stood up for justice, stood up for uh, urgent generosity, which we spent some time talking about. And today, we're going to zip into our third installment and spend some time thinking about this Nick of Mira and uh, example that he gave, again, of, of generosity, but really of trusting God and saying yes. In miraculous ways, God comes to our aid, our help, our uh, assistance when we step out in, in faith. Um, Deborah, do you want to come help me today? You're such a good package opener. This is going to be a weird present, though, because this is not anything any of you probably have had under the tree, okay? Well, look in the little package here and, and show us what's today's object lesson. <laughs> bread. Fresh out of the bread room. We're going to be talking today. Which is your favorite? Do you like swirled cinnamon? Just don't get a netta around this, right? We got a lady that's allergic to cinnamon. You like that? Yes, I do. You do? Have you ever made French toast out of that? It's really, really good. French toast. You haven't? No, I don't think I have. You should try it. You think you should? Maybe. Okay. Are you hungry? Not terribly. Not terribly. <laughs> We're going to speak specifically today and look at a lesson that uh, St. Nick gives us about bread, about wheat, and about uh, his God saying yes in the middle of it all. So let's, let's shift to the uh, little sketch thing here, a historical rendition of Nick of Smyrna. Of Mira. What did I say? Smyrna? Let's see, Brent. Go ahead and start it over. And headed to Constantinople, stopped at the port to re... Let me go back. Here we go. One year, the whole area around Santa faced a severe shortage of wheat. The people were at risk of starving, but several ships loaded with grain and headed to Constantinople, stopped at the port to resupply. Santa heard of this and came to the port to meet the ships and asked for the sailors to give some grain so the people in Santa's region wouldn't die of famine. The sailors said they couldn't help because the grain had all been counted. 
and if they were to arrive at their destination without the right amount of grain, they would all be in serious trouble. But Santa didn't back down. He told the sailors, give me 100 bushels from each of your ships and let me worry about how to deal with your masters in Constantinople. The captains were won over by Santa's request and left the grain with him. Santa distributed the food to all, and it was enough to last them two years, and even enough to plant grain the next year. But there's more to the story. When the sailors arrived at the port of Constantinople, they were shocked to find that none of the grain was missing. God had done a miracle to save the generous sailors from trouble and to provide for the people who were starving. And everyone praised God. Wow. Does that remind you of some of the uh, bread and feeding stories in the uh, Bible? You remember the uh, children of Israel as they marched through to the promised land, as they spent 40 years? What did God do? He fed them bread. He fed them manna, right? Um, in Jesus' ministry, we're going to drill into a little bit of the yes stories around uh, bread in Jesus' day and time. But let me just think it through with you because God's promises are all yes. Have you caught that? Uh, check this out from First Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 1. For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Let's just practice that this morning. Yes. One more time. Yes. A little louder. Yes. God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. And through Christ are amen, which means yes, <laughs> let it be, may God make it so, a sins to God for his glory. When you talk about uh, serving Christ, it re revolves around us saying yes to meeting people's needs and to letting God intervene through us. In this case, St. Nick, Nick of Mira, said yes. He said yes to the, meeting the need of his people. How it all happened, we don't understand why the um, sailors were so willing to give of their grain to him. A hundred bushels per ship had already been cataloged. He somehow said, hey, once you get to Constantinople, God's going to take care of it. I'll work that out. Trust me. Trust God. They got to the point of saying yes, and the people were spared. The people did not lose their lives in this famine. The people ate the bread because Nick said yes. Now, he was a wealthy man, and he could have survived himself had this not happened. He'd already given away tons of his wealth. He'd already given away most of his inheritance. But at this point, he was okay. But he was stepping outside of himself for others. Have you been at a point in your life recently where you sensed God putting on your heart, on your mind, something that really wasn't about you? You're okay. You'll survive. You'll make it. But you're looking at someone else and going, who's going to go to bat for them? What about the orphan and the widow described in James chapter 1? He says, that's pure and undefiled religion. Caring for others. We had people in our own church family here saying, here, take these gift cards and give them to someone who is not going to make it. Someone who really has need. Give these to someone who is uh, 
more desperate than I am. And we got to say, yes, yes, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord, use us. Intervene like you've often done. Isn't it interesting the sailors said yes? Now, the sailors said, okay, we will give you 100 bushels of wheat per load, per ship. And they distributed it to the people. There's some key links in this. They could have been in great uh, trouble. You know, one thing I think of, God likes to run his operation at the velocity of our generosity. You like that? The velocity of our yes. He likes to take our willingness and multiply it. He loves to make our yes his yes. In the book of Proverbs, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when we see it fulfilled, it makes our step spring. <laughs> we have a spring in our step. Let's, um, let's drill into, just for a few minutes, the feeding of the 5,000. Can you get your Bibles out or take a look at the page where I've got the scriptures listed? Get it out on your phone if you need to. And let's look at Mark chapter 6 for a little bit. And and really this uh, scriptural story of Jesus and those around him saying yes to a need that was there. In fact, this is the case where the disciples said yes. Trusting God and saying yes. So when the disciples said yes, there was an inconvenient time for them. Jot that down if you've got your hand out there with a, a blank to fill in. It was in, in, and often our request, often the things God puts before us are not in a convenient place or order or pace. It's often an inconvenient time. You might ask, well, what was so inconvenient about this time? Well, first of all, they'd already just come back from their first assignment, their first missionary tour, and they were exhausted. Jesus knew they were exhausted. They were tired and, and, and run down. They were exhausted emotionally, spiritually, and physically. There's a recognition that it was not the greatest time. And if you read the passage, something else had just taken place, which I, I think was affecting them even more. John the Baptist had just been beheaded. Now, this was the forerunner of Jesus. This was Jesus' cousin. This is the, the one who actually ushered in, in many respects, the coming of the Messiah, who forecast it. And at this point, because of his standing up to the Herodian family and declaring the, the incest that was going on, he literally lost his head. And so there was distress, there was grieving, there was mourning taking place. In fact, when someone like that, that is your mentor or leader, uh, suffers, it causes everyone to question where they're at. And that's where the disciples were at this point. They were questioning and, and thinking about their own uh, situation because it was not a convenient time. And let me just ask you, 
Are you willing to say yes even when it's inconvenient? I get to serve as a, a chaplain, as a volunteer. And you know, you get the calls in the middle of the night, it's never convenient. <laughs> you, know, you say, now, are you serious? Three in the morning? What? No. Isn't that the way needs are? Needs don't come at convenient times. You can't schedule someone else's need. It just happens, right? In this case, if they'd have scheduled it, it wouldn't have been at this time. But it happened. So the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. We're talking about a ministry here that's thriving, but wearing everybody out. They didn't even have time to take a lunch break. They were having so many people coming and going. So what did Jesus say to them? Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. By the way, some of you in the middle of holiday hubbub, holiday schedules, sometimes it's just good to take a break, to get some rest, to sleep in. (laughs) Some of our worship team might not relate to that. To sleep in, you know, to come and get some rest. But God's calling us even at inconvenient times. So they decide to go around this, to go across this lake. Go across Genesaret, to go across Galilee, right? The Sea of Galilee. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. God calls us to yes, even at inconvenient times, even when it's, uh, in, it's difficult for us. Um, what happens is the people saw them. People saw them going across the lake, and they decided to take a hike. They decided to go the long way around and meet them at the other side. They ran from foot all, from all the towns and got there ahead of them. This must have been some bad winds, right? Or maybe they were kind of just sleeping in the boat as they went along. We don't really know. But they ran along around the lake and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, what happened? I call this, uh, it's showing their uncomfortable setting. They've gone from inconvenient times to uncomfortable settings. Instead of getting their nap, instead of getting their rest, they're being met on shore by another crowd (laughs) or by a growing crowd. And what did Jesus do? The Bible says his heart was broken. His heart yearned for them. He had compassion on them. The word compassion with heart, with passion, with uh, a feeling. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus just couldn't help himself. As he looked out on the crowd, as he saw this great throng and the needs they had, he couldn't help but try to love into their life, to give them the, the focus on who God was, and teach them many things about the Father. You know, he took the inconvenient time and he took the uncomfortable setting to bring comfort into their lives, to bring comfort 
to them. He saw them with compassion, and he wanted to uh, bless them. One more thing with the disciples here, <laughs> as you see this story unfold. He, uh, Jesus puts it kind of back into their laps, so the needs would be met. The disciples want Jesus to fix the problem. He says, send them away. The 12 came to Jesus and said, send the crowd away so they can go buy food in the surrounding communities. Get some of their needs met. But what does Jesus say? Catch this. He replied to them, you give them something to eat. He looked back at the disciples and he put it back into their lap and he said, I know they've got needs and yes, they could be sent out to meet their own needs. But he says, I want you to be involved in trusting God to meet this need. You give them something to eat. He, he, the need did not disappear even though they wanted it to disappear. I think these people were probably, uh, have you heard the word we kind of invented hangry, hungry and angry. You know, they're, they're like, they haven't eaten all day. They didn't have time for lunch. They didn't bring anything with them. Now they've gone all the way around the lake, and they are in need. They are, you know, wouldn't it be easy for us to say, well, it serves them right. Let them go get their own food. What are they kind of mooch off of us? In fact, the disciples said, if we were to buy food, this would take a half a year's wages. So what would that be in our terms? If $60,000 salary, $30,000 worth of food for thousands and thousands and thousands of men and people? They're like, this is crazy, Lord. What do you have us in this spot for? Why don't you just send them away and let them meet their own need? Jesus has a plan. In fact, it's all centered around he's teaching them the truths of the Father. Jesus was a master at meeting physical needs in order to keep folks close enough to meet the deeper spiritual needs. That's really what Jesus was about. Jesus put the meeting of people's needs back onto the disciples. Back onto the disciples. And you know what he does? He does that same thing for us and to us today. You know, we can go, well, let the social workers feed everybody. Let, 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 let the insurance take care of it. Let's, I mean, we always want somebody else to meet the needs. And I think he keeps coming back to the body of Christ, back to the church and saying, would you trust me to meet the needs that are there? Would you trust and let God use you as a part of the chain of delivery for people? He calls on us. Not to expect others to do it, but to step into it like the disciples did right here. And to say, Lord, yes. What was that word we used earlier? Yes. One more time. Yes. yes. The disciples finally <laughs> said yes. Jesus had to get it back into their court, <laughs> deliver it to them, but finally they said yes. And you know what happened? They teamed up. They partnered with a child. Boy, get me going on this one, right? Teaming together with children. <laughs> this little boy said yes. In fact, they come, Andrew comes to him and he says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves, probably the size of these uh, biscuits and um, rolls in here. 
five small barley loaves and two small fish. Notice it's small. They weren't these, you know, Al Atwood 50-pound salmon, you know, big steelhead we like to go fishing for. I mean, we, we, that would make a little more sense for thousands of people, right? Yeah, these were probably more like anchovies or uh, sardines, okay? They were probably, it's, it's pointed out, they were small fish. How far can these go among so many? So what do we do? Well, let's get the most uh, starving people up front. Let's put the women and children up front. Let's, you know, we have some kind of an organization to distribute. And God, through Christ, has a totally different idea in mind, doesn't he? He says, get them together in groups of 50. Well, 50? How's that going to work? Watch. Watch God do what only God can do. As this boy says, yes. You know, I often say it this way. God can take our not enough and he can make it more than enough. You've heard this before, right? God takes our not enough and loves to turn it into more than enough. We see it over and over in the scriptures. We see it over and over again in our own lives. When you take your own personal budget and you go, I just don't have enough, but I'm going to trust God. Put the kingdom of God first. I'm going to trust God. Put other people's meeting of other people's needs first. And what happens? It's more than enough. It's more than enough. God loves to do that. Because why? <laughs> it causes our faith to grow. It causes our faith to be bolstered and to be uh, vibrant. Jesus multiplies our efforts if and when we obey. So what happens? Jesus said yes in this miracle. Jesus says yes in this miracle. Taking five loaves and two fish, looking up into heaven like it was his custom, he gave thanks. He gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And it appears that this miracle, much like the, the, the barley and wheat that was on the ships, the miracle happened as the dividing took place. They just, been able, they just kept being able to divide and to divide. The dividing really turned into multiplying. You get it? God's math is different than our math. On our part, we're thinking divide. On God's part, he's thinking multiply. Multiply. Wow. <laughs> Never underestimate the power of God in the ability to take our yes and turn it into a blessing. What the disciples do? The disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces. Just think about that for a minute. Just these broken pieces of bread and fish. So we went from small loaves, small fish, to 12 baskets full. 12 baskets full. We're talking about mighty, mighty multiplication here. In fact, look what it says. The number of the men because they mostly counted men and just said there's women and children there too, numbered 5,000. You think this multiplied their ministry greatly? 
you better believe it. So what do you've got? You got Nick saying yes, the, the, the sailors saying yes, you got the disciples saying yes, you got the little boy saying yes, you got Jesus saying yes. Are you catching the theme here? As yes is said, as willingness to go and trust God, when you step out in obedience and say, God, would you use me to meet these needs? God loves it. He loves to multiply our obedience. Now, now let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. It wasn't the miracles that led to their faith. You catch that? It was their faith that led to the miracles. You following me on that? It wasn't the miracles that led to their faith. Now, as we read it, it should boost our faith whenever we see examples like this. It should boost our faith. But we should be like them, letting the, the miracles not dictate our faith, but just the opposite, letting our faith lead to the miraculous. The uh, miraculous always comes about as we trust in Christ. Now, I just want to take the last couple of minutes and talk about yes at Christmas. Jot these couple of things down. Because in the story, in the message we're celebrating at this time of year, you just see more and more of these yeses. And you heard it in the skit between Mary's papa and, and Mary coming from a, a place that would naturally be no to a place that said yes. In fact, Mary said yes. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you, Gabriel says. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word will ever fail of God. I am the Lord's servant. Catch this last phrase here. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's Mary's yes right there. I mean, she knew, as you can kind of see in the skit, she knew this was really potentially going to wreck her life. I mean, in that day and age, you know, she could have been executed, literally. She could have and was probably ostracized. Who's going to believe this story? Unless you've got intervention of an angel or a dream or some intervention from, from God. But she said, be it unto me according to your word. She said yes, even though it would mess up her plans. I mean, up to this point, everything in her life pointed to marrying Joseph having a family, and being, quote-unquote, a normal person. And here God was calling her to a new place, and she said yes. Do we say yes to the Lord? 
He may not be calling you to the exact same thing he called Mary, but I think he's calling us to the same kind of incarnation. He wants you and I to be involved in bringing to earth God's kingdom. Wasn't that Jesus' prayer? May it be as it is in heaven here on earth. Are you and I willing to say like Mary, be it unto me according to your word. Lord, use me. Lord, use us. Make it so, Lord. (laughs) Joseph said yes. Joseph had a hard time. Now, what he wanted to do was to set her aside honorably. In fact, he was going to give her a bill of divorcement. Back then, even though they were just engaged, it took a formal decree of divorcement to break off an engagement. It was a a heavy financial commitment to get engaged. People did not just do it randomly or easily. And the message comes from God. Do not divorce. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. For what's going on inside, what's taken place in her, has not been unfaithfulness, but rather has been conceived of the Holy Spirit, conceived in her from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and give him the name, uh, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Our focus, really, for tomorrow night. Then Joseph woke up and did what the Lord had commanded him, took Mary as his wife. That's Joseph's yes. You know, in spite of what this could mean to him, in spite of all the ridicule he would endure because of it, in spite of all that was going against this, he said yes. To God, what an admiral. What if we had more Josephs today? What if we had more men who would step forward and say, I don't care what the social consequences are. I'm going to stand for what God wants. You know, he did exactly what God said. In fact, the Bible says they were uh, chaste. They were uh, not involved intimately until after the baby was born. Now, what if we had more men who put their intimate life as a first place in God's picture rather than in their own. I've had to face too many times men with young families saying they're leaving their family and you ask them why? Well, I just don't feel the same way I used to feel. Great. Great. What about the commitment that you made? What if you put, like Joseph, God's will first? The needs of your family first. What if you put the commitment that you made? In this case, he made a new commitment to raise the son of a... What would have happened if Mary and Joseph had not said yes to God? We don't know all the... But our life would definitely be different. Our salvation would not be the way it is today had Mary and Joseph not said yes to the Heavenly Father. You know, they weren't the only ones that said yes. Let me end with this. Jesus said yes. Jesus, the Bible describes as the pre-incarnate member of the Trinity. Jesus, the 
the Son who was with the Father at creation, Jesus, the one who could see it all taking place, came to earth. In fact, look what Philippians says. Having this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ, although he existed in the form of God, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. He was asked and he said, yes. Being made in likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We know as he journeyed through this world that he specifically came to points in his life where it was, do I keep saying yes? And in the garden, as he bowed his head, knowing what was coming for the, for, in terms of the cross and the crucifixion, he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm going to say yes, no matter what. What if we had that kind of Christ-like resolve, obedient even death on a cross? Jesus just kept saying yes to the Father. And that's why we have the relationship we have with God today. See, in this same passage of Scripture, Jesus ends up not just talking about the bread that fed their tummies, but he actually points to himself and he says, I am the bread of life. You know, he wasn't just the feeder of the bread. He, he wasn't just providing for them. Provision has its place. But God wants to use the physical provision to get to the spiritual reality and the needs that are deeper. The answer is not for more provision. The answer is more of the provider. The provider of life and of love. Let's take the next couple of minutes and dive into a communion time where we celebrate that one, that bread of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for getting before us this idea of being yes to you. May all your promises be yes in Jesus Christ. May we be those who respond eagerly and, and welcome the yes from our lips, from our hearts, from our lives. May we see the people with compassion like you do and just join you in the ministry. May we share Jesus, the bread of life. May we live for Jesus, the bread of our lives. Lord, use us, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.